ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. Tonight we are doing another Jackson Cage batch episode. That's right, where we take two beloved Bruce Springsteen songs and we debate which one is the better. And as always, a shout out to my friends at Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. JB and Rob, who came up with the idea that I should have named my podcast Jackson Cage, and I took that and made this concept. That's a long introduction. Um, Joining me tonight is Andre. How you doing, Andre? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good. Now, Andre has been on the show before, but it's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, I think we're coming up on about a year to the day. Yeah, I think so. Um, So... Um, Andre, why don't you tell uh, listeners, remind them a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm a younger Springsteen fan. I just turned 21, so I can now just drink alcohol in the United States. Um, but I live up north in Canada, in Edmonton, which is the most popular, northernmost city in the world. And you're going to, uh, you're uh, in university, correct? Yes, uh, in education at the University of Alberta. Ah, very nice. And uh, you uh, have talked about you've done some of your uh, some papers based on Springsteen, correct? Yeah, I've done two of them, and I've had one recently published by the university. Ooh, very nice. You have to send us a link. And um, so, very nice and um, big uh, long-term Springsteen. I'll include a link to your first episode, so anyone who's not heard your Springsteen story can. Um, anything new from a Springsteen perspective that's uh, happened in the past uh, four or five months for you or the year? Um, I wish I could say yes, other than my paper being published. I almost made it out to the Philadelphia show uh, back in September, I believe. Yeah. Unfortunately, circumstances didn't allow me, so I'm still working on seeing my first show. Okay, nothing wrong with that. I always think of you when I... Uh, when we talk about the number of shows, is not a good barometer of how big a fan you are. And I, um, I, I often mention you in the podcast that you know you're someone who's a very passionate fan that just has never had a chance to um, see him. But that doesn't make your fandom any less. Well, thank you. And you know, as Springsteen says, working on a dream. Absolutely. There you go. Um, so. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'll pull back the curtain. Uh, some of these Jackson Cage matches, I come up with the match, and then others, my guest does. And Andre came up with a couple of songs he wanted to debate. And so why don't you tell uh, the listeners which two songs you wanted to talk about and why you picked these two specific songs. Uh, the two songs that I chose were The Darkness on the Edge of Town and Long Walk Home. Uh, I chose them for a couple of reasons. One of them is Darkness on the Edge of Town is 
probably my top five favorite Springsteen songs. Uh, and Long Walk Home is one that I've heavily referenced in a lot of my essay writings. Um, and both deal with the thematic of coming and or leaving home. And it was something I wanted to explore because this debate could center around a couple of things. But the big thing that jumped out to me is, is it the difference of leaving home with young Springsteen or coming home with old Springsteen that shows growth? Or does it show that, you know, youth is something that once lost is a little bit of innocence that slipped away or is coming home well-aged and matured a better thing to live to? You know, that's a really interesting question. I'm looking forward to debating it and talking about it. Um, I would not have seen that connection, but as I was doing a little bit of research and I, I see the connections, which is uh, pretty cool. So I think this will be a lot of fun. Um, so obviously, Darkness on the Edge of Town from the album, Darkness on the Edge of Town, is considered, you know, many people make the argument that Darkness is his most, um, six, his best album. Um, I certainly think there's plenty of discussion among Springsteen fans about that, but it seems that a lot of them feel like Darkness in its um, you know, its sparseness and it's just it's raw emotion uh, gets a lot of people's feeling on that. Um, and then Log Walk Home is from Magic, which um, I, along with a lot of other people, think is a modern Springsteen classic. Um, the It's a very, you know, dealing a lot with... Um, the current the administration that was happening at the time the bush administration and things he was feeling and working and you know as he often says i don't try to make a political record i just make the record that i'm feeling now and um so and long walk home is a beautiful song from magic um before we get to the definite songs um what were your thoughts what are your thoughts on the two albums darkness and uh magic uh, I think along the lines of what you said, Darkness on the Edge of Town, obviously, with time, has become a beloved classic. Uh, but the time of its release, it was kind of a dark horse record. It didn't make as much as Born to Run did. It didn't have a charting single like Born to Run did. But I felt like it has more depth and it has more Springsteen in it. Obviously, not to say that Born to Run did not. Uh, but I do find that Darkness on the Edge of Town just has more personality. And like Springsteen himself says in his autobiography... He found his adult voice in Darkness on the Edge of Town, which I think is crucial to why that album was so important, is because you could almost see the transition from Springsteen's, not to say boyhood, but the youth into adulthood, uh, versus Magic, which I find personally, and I mean a lot of people would be up to argue, is the best record that he's released in the 2000s, uh, and I do include that compared to The, uh, the Rising. Mm -hmm. I just find that Magic was... An underrated Dark Horse album as well in its own. Um, and also the two songs, when you look at them, they're not the big songs from the album. With Darkness on the Edge of Town, the big ones, you know, more Badlands, Prove It All Night. And if you're a diehard Springsteen fan, that Racing in the Street is always a big one. Right. And with Magic, you know, there was Girls in Their Summer Clothes, Radio Nowhere, which were much, not to say much bigger hits, but just had more radio airplay. Yes. That Walk Home did. So both of these songs aren't the big singles from the album, but they still stand out amongst the rest. Yeah, very interesting. 
we may have to have another discussion uh, another time, Andre, because um, I think that's a good argument about the 2000s. I certainly love um, the rising, and I'm a big, um, you know, the and then I love um, I love Wrecking Ball, which is kind of a later release as well. But I certainly magic is something pretty special. Um, so we may have to have another discussion about that down the road. Um, so I, 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 I like your thoughts on this. So which song do you want to talk about first? Uh, I mean, we can go chronologically. I'd be happy to talk about it. Well, we're still racing down the trestles, but that blood had never burned in her veins. Now here she's got a house up in Fairview, in a style she's trying to maintain. Give me your thoughts on Darkness. Um, Darkness, both being one of my favorite songs, but also one of my favorite songs to actually just jam out with on the guitar, mm-hmm. has some of my favorite lyrics uh, from Springsteen. And I just had them pulled up. Sorry, I gotta go paste okay. them again. Well, even just the opening line, well, they're still racing out in the trestles. Now, being from a northern area, I had to go Google what trestles were, and I guess it's kind of like um, kind of like a boardwalk sort of area. Right. Uh, and it's interesting to see that he's already talking again. He's kind of still referencing that part, that area he's from, Asbury Park. He's still referencing Asbury Park with the beachhead, the 
trestles, so he's still kind of wanting to aim this closer to home, even though it is more of a broad subject he's trying to bring up. And yeah. sorry, it's just my uh, page just flipped out on me. That's okay. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> oh, here we are. Okay. So, as he talks about racing on the trestles, he moves on to talk about some a she who's got a style that she's trying to maintain, and that's one of those big things that Springsteen would later go on to talk about in the river. But kind of starts touching on darkness of the town is that kind of social status within uh, America. Yes. She's got a house up in Fairview, and I'm not familiar with American geography, but I assume Fairview is kind of a good area. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. That certainly is the implication, right? That you know right. she's on the correct side of the tracks. Um, you know, and the toe, you know, the you know, they're on the wrong side of the track. She's on the good side of the track. She is on Uptown, where there is. The good life, to quote the song, and you know, and money, and things are well. I agree with that. Absolutely. So then, when it skips to the second verse, where if she wants to see me, you can tell her I'm easily found. I think it's referencing the fact there that even though she's trying to maintain this style, for whatever reason, she wants to see this protagonist who seems to not be from Fairview, who's not in that style that she's trying to maintain. Yeah, and I, I do love those lyrics, you know, well, if she wants to see me, you can tell I'm easily found. You know, that that is a very, almost from a, you know, a classic cinema where, yeah. well, you, you know you know where you can find me. You know, if you've, you decide to slum a little bit, if you decide to go back to your roots and not put away this um, pretense of what you've become, you can find me. And uh, I, I like that image. I, I like that, you know, tell her there's a spot out near the a Abrams Bridge. And then, you know, tell her there's a darkness on the edge of town, um, which is such a strong picture. This, there is a, you know, for me, and I, I'd love to hear your thought, Andre, but, you know, the phrase itself, darkness on the edge of town, means not only are we in the fringe, but there's there is some sadness and there's some uh, trouble and and per perhaps danger and and this whole um, you know kind of the fear and the and you know this whole almost loss of hope because of whatever that's going on on this edge of town. What what does it say to you? Like very inclined to agree, and especially if you look at the actual music itself and reading the lyrics, there is that huge kind of change where it gets a lot louder as soon as you know. Well, if she wants to see me, it kind of goes from that kind of like quiet whisper that he's singing into a much louder sound. And then there's the there's nice transition. It's probably one of my favorite transitions in a Springsteen song as well. When uh, right after he says, you know, tell her there's a spot underneath Abrams Bridge, and tell her there's that kind of double tap on the Sierra by Max Weinberg. Yeah. And it's almost like to introduce that suddenly this song isn't just about her and him. It's about a darkness that's on the edge of town, which I totally love. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you're into music as well, uh, if you look at the chord change, just look, even guitar change, 
it goes from being in a G chord down to a D chord, which is a lot higher. So it's kind of interesting because it's almost a juxtaposition of going into a major, which is usually a happier chord, despite the fact he's introducing a much darker theme. Absolutely. And the, the song continues on, you know, well, everyone's got a secret sunny, something that they just can't face. Some folks spend their whole lives trying to keep it. They carry with them every step that they take. And, you know, I do think, you know, now we're getting into a deeper that, you know, and once again, I'm seeing this 40s movie where our heroine is moved up and, and she has gone into higher society and she's trying to keep a secret that she came from, you know, nothing. She came from the wrong side of the tracks and, and from a poor family. Um, and then, and you could almost see, you know, our protagonist talking about that to Sonny or whoever, you know, Sonny isn't necessarily a name. It's just someone he's talking to, uh, to talk about people carrying secrets and they don't want to face themselves. Absolutely. And you know, when you see a forties movie, this the movie that kind of comes to my head when I think of it is, uh, Casablanca actually. Yes. I very much get the image of, uh, forgive me, I don't know the name of the actors. I still, I still have the excuse of saying the Tad Young. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see when the female protagonist has the realization that she still cares a lot for the yeah. main male yeah. protagonist. Yeah. And it kind of talks about that secret saying, you know, the darkness on the edge of town. Like there is that darkness creeping around Morocco, yeah. Casablanca. Yeah. That has to do with the whole movie. And I definitely visualize that when I see it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Ingrid Bergman, and yes, and she's, you know, that that whole um, Humphrey Bogart, and this is, you know, she's kind of moved on, and she's now, um, you know, part of the uh, the French Revo- French Revolution and the resistance, and it, absolutely a fabulous movie that has no business being a fabulous movie if you I've I've read about Casablanca a lot and I mean it's had two or three different sets of writers and you know and and you know a director and this was kind of put together through the old factory and just somehow through the different writers they they captured magic and including the performances um, it is just an amazing, and I've never connected to darkness on the edge of town, but I, I see your connection at all, and it's it's very, it fits that mood. You know, darkness is a song that is, um, you don't party down with darkness on the edge of town. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Cadillac Ranch is about death. But it's still a fun song to sing along with, and 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 I, you know, I think you talked about at um, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band version at your camp, right, when you were a, a counselor, if I remember correctly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's a song, but you know, darkness is not a song that, you know, um, you're you're pumping your fist and, and let's shouting it together. Though I certainly see the audience at times, you know, holding hands with people and, and singing the lyrics because they're, I think we all face our own version of darkness on the edge of town. You know, I, I don't want to go through all the lyrics, but I do. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Andre. Andre. 
But, oh, yeah, no worries. No, I think I definitely can see that, too, with the uh, audience feeling along. Because I think it's one of those Springsteen songs that also can just awake kind of a spiritual existence. Uh, sorry, spiritual moment. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And, um, and you know, and, it, and as we continue, right, um, he talks about sometimes people just cut it loose, the secret. Or they have to cut it loose or let it drag them down. And where no one asks any questions or t- looks too long in your face. And there is that sense of, you know, you've got this secret and you've got this burden, and unless you unburden it, uh, it can drag you down, and you'll be broken if someone looks at you and sees this. And then I love the next verse because I think this is such a – Lower middle class or, um, you know, people fighting, you know, in that aren't middle class that are trying to get to middle class. Now, some folks are born into a good life and other folks get it anyway, anyhow. Well, I lost my money and I lost my wife. Them things don't seem to matter much to me now. And there is such a sadness there that you know some people get lucky some people are just born to quote right you know they was born on third base and think he hit, thought he hit a triple um you know and and then other people get it anyway somehow they, talk to me about what you think and what you feel on that it's uh that definitely is one of the more powerful verses from spring scene it's one that Every time I hear it, it also evokes like kind of like a reflection onto his other music as well. If you even look at uh, the Ghost of Tom Joad, there's thematics from that verse within the entire song too. And I think it's almost Springsteen kind of announcing both perhaps to us but perhaps to himself that it's time to distance himself from always searching for that good life because sometimes you just don't get it immediately. Yes. Because, again, some people are born into it and some people get it anyway anyhow. But he lost his money uh, at the time. I guess he didn't have a wife, but I guess we could figuratively look at that as he lost a lot of things in his life. Yes. They just don't matter much to him now. It's kind of like that distancing, that growing up that he talked about. I feel like that verse is where it really happens. Yeah, and you know, you talked earlier, Andre, the the beauty of the tone he picks and the volume and, and the different – you know, sometimes he – is a very monotone and very quiet and other times he rises up and you know and with a lot of emotion and and this song is really beautiful you know there are some songs that Bruce does where you know he starts at 12 on a scale 1 to 10 and stays at 12 uh, you know this one he actually rides that his voice and the music is all part of the story he's telling. Absolutely. It's definitely, again, it's an experience that you're getting. Being the experience of somebody who's both coming to terms with himself, but also trying to teach you to come to terms with yourself. Yeah, and, you know, tonight I'll be on that hill because I can't stop. I'll be on that hill with everything I've got. Well, lives on the line where dreams are found and lost... I'll be there on time and I'll play the cost for wanting things that can only be found in the darkness on the edge of town. Now, 
you mentioned Casablanca, but also this has that feeling of the Maltese Falcon, you know, where he's like, you know, where people pursuing their dreams and, and trying to find that um, really a powerful ending to a really powerful song. Um, your thoughts? Is Maltese, sorry, Maltese Falcon, is that a, uh, another Humphrey Bogart movie? Yes, it is. This is a very Humphrey Bogart type song. Yeah, I think I've seen that one only because I think it was on Roger Ebert's Great Movies. Yes. Um, I don't have a distinct recollection of it, but I'm inclined to agree from the few memories that I have about it. Yeah. Um, But also those lyrics are absolutely my favorite Springsteen lyrics. And again, it talks, it kind of has the same end as the beginning had where it, that for that other verse ends with the uh, those things don't seem to matter much to me now. And again, there's that double snare from Max, and then all of a sudden it all kicks up again with that tonight I'll be on that hill because I can't stop. Right. And I don't know what it is, and I wish I could put it into words, but that those four lines with the tonight I'll be on the hill because I can't stop, down I'll pay the cost. The way that he kind of it almost sounds like there's a sense of urgency even though all he's going to do is be on a hill with everything he's got. And it makes you wonder, like, what is this hill? What does this hill represent? Because he's talked about he's lost everything. So right. what kind of hill does he have to conquer to show that he's got everything he's got where dreams are found and lost? So is this hill kind of like him talking about perhaps growing up is this hard hill to conquer because you have everything you've got when you're young and it's so easy. But when you have to grow up and move on, that can be the biggest challenge to somebody, especially back in the heyday. It could be so hard to surmount such a rough childhood and adolescenthood to have to rise up and realize that there's some darkness on the edge of town that despite kind of like the theme of escapism that he's trying to portray, that it's still hard to separate himself from it. Yeah, and um, you know, I just pulled this up while we were talking. The end of Maltese Falcon, and Maltese Falcon is this um, heavy statue of a falcon, and it's a very there is a lot of different stories and people trying to get it for different reasons. And um, you know, one of the last lines is um, a police detective picks up the falcon and says, "Heavy, what is it?" And Sam Spade, the character played by Humphrey Bogart, goes, the stuff that dreams are made of, which is why I thought of this, where, you know, the dreams, this is how I'm going to get this and what I'm going to do. So um, a very and, – and I do think we we hear at this time Bruce was doing a lot of reading and watching, you know, old films and getting this – trying to self-educate himself for not just, you know, for entertainment purposes and also because he he had that thirst for knowledge. Really good. Any last thoughts you want to do before we go on to our next contender? Um, I just think in general the song, no matter what the results are, this song is definitely one of the more powerful songs in the Bruce Arsenal. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I, I think we're – this will be tough. This is a – Definitely heavyweight in the Springsteen, um, you know, genre. In his, when we talk about, you know, darkness took so long. It was after him and Mike Appel and the the lawsuit, and and you know, this is a very angry album. And and 
in a lot of ways, you know, as we talked about going back, it is, you know, people often vote for this as his greatest album. And when you talk about the, you know, the classic songs on it, but there is, there is something in, you know, um, the darkness on the edge of town is also a phrase that you can see in other literature. And, and I know as a big comic book geek, I, I got a big kick out of um, the Green Arrow writers um, are big Springsteen fans. And so the second, the penultimate episode, the next to last episode, they always name after a Springsteen lyric. And uh, they use Darkness on the Edge of Town one season. So okay. good. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to flip to the other side on the relatively spoke of things. Magic is, um, you know, his more recent works. Um, he has been very prolific during this stage of his life, putting out albums and a lot more often doing with a lot of different songs. So Long Walk Home came from Magic. Slip something into my palm that you were gone. I can smell the same deep green of summer. Above me, the same night sky was glowing. In the distance, I could see the town where I was born. special place in my heart Andre for anything that came in after the rising because that's when I became obsessed with Bruce and so any album like Devils and Dust and Magic and Radio and you know and uh, working on a dream 
and on and, and on were new to me at the same time they were with every other Bruce fan. And so I get this joy and love out of hearing these new things. Um, so let's start with uh, what's, what's your thoughts on Long Walk Home? Long Walk Home to me um, is a song that was kind of like a little nugget, a little treasure nugget that I found kind of almost late into my, uh, let's say, blooming romance with Bruce's music. Um, it's only since about, I'd say, even October that I've really paid attention to this song. Um, because I was working a couple of hours out of town throughout most of the fall at my camp job, uh, I'd have time to browse through his entire catalog. And when I put on Magic, driving back, this song stood out to me. Despite how, how great that album is, and it's not to say anything again about those other songs, but... This song was the one that kind of really caught me off guard because it's almost like he took that, I, I, I guess not to say it's incredibly angry, but Magic is another song, as you said. It kind of dealt with Springsteen's surroundings at the time, which was an administration he couldn't be on board with. Um, and then he went and wrote a song, an album, sorry, that's quite angry when you look at the lyrics, and yet... Unlike Darkness, it doesn't have that grit and that darkness that Darkness on the Edge of Town did. It has more poppy, kind of happy chords, but the lyrics are kind of misleading. It's almost like he took uh, Born in the USA, the song, and then the lyricism of Darkness on the Edge of Town, it kind of mashed them together to create this strange, positive-sounding music with dark, lyrical undertones. And last, uh, sorry, Long Walk Home was the biggest one that stood out to me as the biggest uh, look at my left hand while the right hand's doing all the magic behind your back. Yeah, um, I was going to think the same thing that just like, you know, Born in the USA, um, true, most people, I think, understand that the, the purpose of the song, I know all Springsteen fans, but I'm always shocked by even casual fans, you know, don't understand the lyrics. Uh, but um, this is, you know, so you have the, the very serious lyrics of Born in the USA, but then the, you know, almost stadium rock beat, you know, with the blaring music and the him shouting and, and it is a song that's just made for you to pump your fist, um, much like um, "We Take Care of Our Own." Is the the lyrics do not match the tone and the sound of the you know of the that recording? Um, I'm you know I'm I I did some research and um. Springsteen told uh, the Times, in that particular song, a guy comes back to his town and recognizes nothing and is recognized by nothing. The singer in Long Walk Home, that's his experience. His world has changed. The things that he thought he knew, the people he thought he knew, whose ideas he had something in common with, are like strangers. The world that he knew feels totally alien I think that's what's happened in this country in the past six years. So I think at first our casual, our listeners may go, God, that's darkness and long walk home are weird, you know, mates to push the guns. 
But as you talked about, you know, one of them is, you know, uh, in darkness, the character is staying there and he's um, has had so many bad things happen. And he's, you know, you can find me. I'm easily found. And while Long Walk Home, as you talked about, the person had been traveling and he's come back to this home. But unlike in Local Hero, in this case, he doesn't recognize what's going on. And he feels very strange. And it is, it's like an ill-fitting suit of clothes. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. I think the big thing with Long Walk Home and Darkness on the Edge of Town that also just on a personal note that struck me too is both of them are kind of like my own worst fear. I'm very... I'm not sure, I don't want to say patriotic, but I'm very attached to my own hometown. And I don't know, listening to these two songs, I don't actually know what would be worse for me, whether I leave and I come back to no one from you know, my hometown would recognize me, or if I were to still be here and be completely unhappy. And it's both kind of like the worst case scenario mm-hmm. that you could imagine. And it's one of those things that when you compare the two, it blows me away to no end how Long Walk Home again, does does not fail to bring you kind of a cheery happiness with its music, but the lyrics definitely kind of cut more into you. Like, if you look at last night, I stood at your doorstep trying to figure out what went wrong. You slid something into my palm and you were gone. It even starts with kind of an echoistic protagonist, but also the listener themselves are kind of confused. You know, who's standing at the doorstep? Who's trying to figure out what went wrong? And who, right. like, who's slipping something into your palm? Like, because it's Springsteen, I think most fans would definitely think, oh, like this is, you know, this is Mary or this is, uh, uh, I was going to say Angelina, but that's swing for reals. Uh, this is Candy. Like, this is yeah. another. Rosie. Yes. There is no telling whether or not it's a female protagonist that's slipping something to the palm. Is it a friend that was once there? You know, like, is it Terry or is it, uh, Eddie who's going to give you a ride? Who. Who is it? And that's the first thing that kind of sprung to me was, I don't know who the doorstep he's standing on. And again, I don't want to say it's another female protagonist just because it's Bruce, but who says it's not just a friend who, you know, he's come home and no one recognizes him and he recognizes nothing. Yeah, and you, you get the feeling, I do at least, that, you know, this could almost be, you know, a a veteran that has come back from um you know the middle east he's he's been in iraq or and or afghanistan and you know he's now changed you know much like the character in devils and dust right i got my finger on my trigger and i don't know who to trust um because you know he talked about we going on in town. I passed Sal's grocery barbershop on South Street. I looked in their faces. They were all rank strangers to me. Hey, Veterans Hall, high upon the hill, stood silent and alone. The diner was shuttered and bordered with a sign that just says "gone." It, um, I know. And I'm significantly older than you, Andre, but um, when I left Louisiana back in the middle 80s and I moved to Dallas, 
and I kind of and it, Louisiana Lake Charles is a very small town and a very stuck in their ways town and I know that both Linda my wife and I would go back and we'd go you know to ourselves who are these people you know what what are they thinking what 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 opinions do they have that would feel this way and you get the feeling that the the singer is saying you know just a few short years ago I knew you guys and I was thinking this way but after I've seen what I've seen I don't know if I can and it's going to be a long walk home home being a place where I am comfortable and I can go back to feeling the way I did before my experiences. Absolutely. I can definitely see that. Kind of touching on the veteran thing, I can definitely see what you mean with that. I hadn't particularly looked at that through that lens, but now that you bring it up, because I was written during, I believe it was the Iraq War. Yeah. Not entirely sure, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. No, it was. It was. It was the you know Iraq War, and it was after 9/11, and and George Bush had you know had had you know had started this war in the Middle East, or you know the country had. And but I also think, and I think this is going to hit closer to you. Um, you know, you're 18 or 19. You graduate from high school. You go to university, and your eyes are oh, are open to different things and different thoughts and and how you see things and then when you come back um just like in darkness you've reached a higher rank in society and the people that are still where you were think you're putting on airs or you're doing something but you've actually changed and so when you come back and try to talk to um your friends who didn't go away to school that just immediately got jobs and started working, you know, you try to see them and it's, it's sometimes you can't get back on the same page together. And I don't know if you've experienced that to that extreme, but I know that's a common thing that happens. Yeah. And actually you definitely hit the nail on the head. I definitely have that experience. Um, I mean, my university is in my hometown, but there are still friends that I graduated with that I live no more than, uh, 20 kilometers away from that I haven't seen since high school simply because we've taken two different paths. Right. But also even at that, just looking at um, coming home and not recognizing anything. My Both my parents, my father specifically, were in uh, the Canadian forces during the Gulf War. And uh, I recall my dad, he got shipped out, didn't, he got shipped out towards the end of the kerfuffle, so he came home pretty quickly. But it was one of those things where when he came back, it was also everything seemed just that much different. Not that it was, you know, life changing coming back with PTSD different or anything, but it was he came back and that was just it. It was everything was just slightly different because he didn't realize how different the world was from here to there. Uh, I can totally agree with that. Um, so let's compare the two songs musically. Um, Log Wonk Home is, I think, a little more upbeat, um, has a, um, a longer chorus, uh, you know, darkness just has, there's a darkness on the edge of town, 
Um, so Long Walk Home might be a little better as a sing-along. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. It does have the kind of chord. Even when you look at the, again, musically speaking, looking at the chords, the chorus itself only has uh, four different chords. And it's all the pop chord stuff that G yeah. the C and the D. Um, so it is more like rock radio orientated, but it also kind of, it. The one thing I like about it too is how it, it's going to be a long walk home. Hey, pretty darling, don't wait up for me. It's going to be a uh, long walk home. I like how it's also talking about you know even though all these changes have kind of come to this character, you realize that things still move on and that's just how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it does, and um. You know, what's funny is there is in darkness, well, everybody's got a secret sunny. And then um, in Long Walk Home, everybody has a reason to begin again. Um, you know, so in its own way, Long Walk Home in, can be considered a more optimistic song. Even though he's come back. He's happy. I don't know. Is he happy with the changes he's made? Or um, is he regretting that he's not this earlier version of himself that would be more comfortable at home? What do you think? I think that's a good question for sure. Um, it's almost like between the two songs, they're both kind of pessimistic, but it's almost like Long Walk Home is the more optimist pessimist of the two. Right. Uh, it also talks like that one verse where it talks about uh, your flag flying over the courthouse means certain things are set in stone, who we are and what we'll do and what we won't. I think it also, that kind of grounds this protagonist back that, you know, his boots are back in America and things are set in stone. Like what's happened has happened and who he is is who he is. But what he can do can still be changed, but what we won't kind of speaks to He's made the decisions, and now, as much as it sucks, he's got a little bit of the collateral damage of that decision-making. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts um, that you want to discuss as we debate these two? I think the of the two songs, like, you know, they're both great. Uh, I do think I like the contrast of them. I think I like the brooding darkness of Darkness on the Edge of Town and the kind of jingle pop of magic. I think that I'm happy he didn't try and go back to the style of darkness because that album on its own stands as a testament of a certain uh, era of Springsteen as magic does on its own as well. I, I agree with that. I think that's true. Um, so I'll, I'll go first. Now, um, I know that everyone is going to, a lot of fans will go, how can you not vote for darkness? You know, it's such a classic. Um, but I'm a little biased, as I've said, because, you know, the newer material speaks to me at times more than some of the older material. And I I love Long Walk Home. I love magic. And so if I had to pick one, you know, by just the smallest margin – I would probably pick Long Walk Home just because it I feel a personal connection to it and and I I love that story and and, and the emotions I got um hearing this uh 
um, you know, when I heard the album. So th that would be my vote, though it's a very close. So convince me I'm wrong. Well, if we look at Darkness, I think, again, personally, for personal attachment uh, to myself, this song comes at a younger Springsteen age. Uh, he was 29, 78, uh, and I think he would have been in about mid-50s when Long Walk Home came out. Yes, probably, yes. Um, so if we're looking at, like, from that lens, I definitely probably associate more with that still growing up and still trying to find my adult voice, as much as one wants to think that you turn 21 and you're legal around the world, that you've hit adulthood. But there are still things that, as I'm sure any adult still does, is struggle, like, struggle with, and I'm still trying to find that adult in myself sometimes. And I think talking about that darkness at the edge of town, you know, being born again at a different time, it's sometimes difficult to have to hold up the style of... Um, social norms that are kind of unwillingly pushed upon me. But he kind of goes against, you know, unfortunately from that era that is highly contested of millennials that certain people love to loathe. And then we love to loathe other people's generations. <laughs> yes. And I think it kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, when Springsteen was my age and, you know, when he was still 29, he was still part of a generation that was living under the umbrella of the greatest generation. Yes. And it was still trying to find that voice, you know, how do you not say top, but how do you match certain fathers who have fought in two world wars and possibly even the Korea conflict later on? Yeah. And I think I can associate to that a bit more. You know, I, I think another really good point you're making, Andre, is, you know, I'm currently 57. And so I am closer to Bruce's age when he did Long Walk Home. And maybe that's a reason it speaks to me versus you are closer to the age he was when he wrote Darkness. And maybe that's one of the reasons it speaks to you. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, I'm sure you and I can go back and forth all night talking about, you know, yeah. why. It's, it's yeah. Again, Long Walk Home, I chose it because it's a brilliant song and I love it a lot. And uh, kind of like you got more on board during The Rising. I only really got on board. I think it was during a wrecking ball era. Right. So to me, only wrecking ball and high hopes have ever really been new music to me. Yeah. And I guess the ties that bind and et cetera, but yeah, looking at strictly releases, it would just be those two. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's all exploration and it's also tough for me to put a lot of it in context because of course when the Iraq war was waging, uh, that would have started back in 01 as well, I believe. Yeah. Around so time, yeah, I would have been five. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't entirely stand out in my mind, but, you know, in 2012, the 2008 huge, uh, kind of like downfall of the economy that we suffered up here in Canada, and I think you guys kind of got hit by it too. Sure. Uh, and there was all the houses being repossessed because people couldn't pay off their mortgages and such. Because I remembered that so much more vividly, Wrecking Ball struck a bigger chord with me, so I can definitely also appreciate why you can appreciate Yes. Uh, magic in that sense as well. Right. And I believe that is one of the reasons why Wrecking Ball, because of just the financial issues and such. Well, you know, Andre, for the first time, this is this will be my fourth cage match. Um, we came up with different answers, um, you know, and, and I think that's OK. I think this is 
Um, you would go with darkness. I would go with long uh, walk home. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will yell at both of us that we didn't agree. Um, but I think this has been a great discussion, and, and I appreciate you joining me and talking about it. If someone wants to talk to you, reach out to you, how can they? Uh, the best way to reach out to me is probably via email. And, of course, with technology, at that, Andre and I lost our connection. We finished up the conversation, but for some reason, my software did not pick up our conversation. So thank you, Andre, for a great discussion. His Twitter handle is at T-H-E-A-N-D-R-E-P-R-E-V-O-S-T, the Andre Prevost. And mine is at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at Set Lusting Bruce. We can be reached on our Skype voicemail, which is 214-736-3121. You know, it just was my birthday. And you know what would be a great birthday gift? Is if many of you would go to iTunes and rate and review the show. We have about 35 ratings. And, man, if we could get over 100, it would just be so good. And please subscribe for the show. It does help us find new listeners. So for now, um, thank you guys for joining us on this latest Cage Match episode. Um, We are counting down to episode 100 with a special guest. But for now, thank you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.